Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Beach and Creative Control. I have for many years, I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Beach's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years, they're good friends, uh, but the truth is he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with Uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, so he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Pete Stahl is a singer and a songwriter who is currently based in the state of California. Originally from Washington, D.C., Stahl, his brother Franz, and their friends, Kent Stax and Skeeter Enoch Thompson, formed the pioneering hardcore band Scream in 1981, which toured the world and bears the distinction of creating 1983's Still Screaming, the first full-length album ever released by Discord Records. When Stax initially left Scream, he was replaced by a 17-year-old drummer named Dave Grohl in 1986, whose playing at live shows impressed everyone who witnessed it, including Kurt Cobain and Chris Novoselic, who eventually invited him to join their own band, Nirvana, after Scream broke up in 1990. After a few one-off shows, Scream reconvened in 2009 for tours, and released the Complete Control Recording Sessions EP in 2011 before pondering a new full length together within the past 10 years. The end result is a star-studded, impassioned, but bittersweet affair. It's called DC Special. It's out via Discord on November 10th, 2023. But its September release announcement preceded the death of founding member Kent Stax, who had cancer, by one day. And so to celebrate Kent, DC Special, and the return of Scream, Pete and I connected for a talk about how the Scream team is doing since Kent's passing. 
his own life in California and making music during a pandemic, working with Dave Grohl and booking one of the last recording sessions at the original Inner Ear Studio, a brief history of Scream and Wool and other bands, writing and recording DC Special and purposely leaving room for old friends to participate in it, our shared love of Fugazi and the people in that band, how socio-political lyrical themes he conjured in 1981 are strikingly quite similar to the ones he's worked up for DC Special in 2023, whether or not Scream will continue beyond their current tour, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. That is the primary and best source of revenue I get for making this show every week. It is modest. I wish it was, frankly, I wish it was more immodest. I wish it was so gargantuan that I uh, was embarrassed, but it's, it's modest. So if you have the means and the inclination to support this show with a monthly donation or an annual subscription or whatever you want to call it, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to support my work today. Thank you so much. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store uh, with two locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, plus a really great website, blackbird.ca, where you can go and uh, order records potentially ship right to your house. Say you want a copy of DC Special Ice Cream. Well, head over to blackbird.ca, type the uh, stuff you're looking for in there, and if, if all goes well, they'll ship you a copy of uh, DC Special by Scream or anything else you want. Again, thanks to the independent record store Blackbird Music for their support of the show. Learn more about them at blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 819 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Pete Stahl from Scream, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, Pete, how's it going? I'm good, Vish. That's great. Where in the world are you? I'm in Landers, California, which is a bit outside Joshua Tree in the Mojave Desert. Oh, nice. What brings you there? I live out here uh, right now and I've um, been coming out here for the last 25 years, recording at Rancho de la Luna. And we're working on, I'm on, working on a project there right now. Oh, nice. Which is a studio, but that's a studio in Joshua Tree. Um, in a band called Earthlings as well that came out of that studio. The founders of the studio, Fred Drake and Dave Ketchings, that's, I formed the band with them in the mid nineties and we put out a few records and Fred passed away about you know, a while back, but Dave and I, um, still playing music together and, and working on a project right now. Um, uh, that's kind of a reflection, kind of looking back at the 30 years of the studio. So it's going to be called Love to All. Oh, nice. Well, that's great. You're an East, you're, I think you're, you were anyway, an East well, Coast. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've had, as everybody else probably went through a lot of changes in the last few years yeah. <laughs> in yeah. many different ways, mentally and physically. And <laughs> me, both of those. So, um, some of it good, some of it bad. I have been spending a lot more time at home, which has been great, which is Washington, D.C. area, Virginia side of the Potomac River. And my father, uh, who passed away last year, he lived in New York City. So I spent a lot, been spending a lot of time the last few years. Uh, I was take, taking care of him and supporting his partner and working on, on the screen record and kind of going back and forth between the coasts. Yeah. Well, I want to convey my uh, sorrow and condolences for the loss of your father um, to you and your family. And uh, actually, yeah, I, in the context of Scream, I also want to convey my um, condolences to you all uh, on the Scream team uh, for the loss of Kent there. Um, how's everybody doing? Everyone's good. We had a memorial. Well, we didn't. His family had a memorial for him last Saturday, which is still really fresh. But that was 
good for us to all get together and, you know, think about him and, and kind of have some resolution to a long couple year process, pretty much where, we, I mean, he was, it's weird that this all happened. We weren't expecting it, of course, like nobody does. Um, but he wasn't diagnosed till like a couple, like a month or two after we finished recording DC special. And then, you know, he went through a gosh, a year and a half of cancer treatments. And we we're just always hoping that he would be able to bounce back and power through and, and still be with us to enjoy the record coming out, which is, you know, soon and playing shows. But unfortunately, he just got weaker and weaker. And even though he would still, like when we would play at home in DC area, he could still sit in with us or even join us. Uh, we did a show, gosh, it was just, just in a few months ago, toward the end of the summer, we played a show to kind of in coordination with the release of, of the inner ear book on Don Zantera. And we played a show, free show outside in Mount Pleasant and, in, in uh, Lyman's Plaza. And, uh, Scott Garrett played drums for us, but he was able to join us and sit in and play the whole set, playing percussion and snare drum and stuff. So that, which was great, but that was unfortunately the last time we were able to play together live. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's been kind of strange and, have a lot of mixed feelings about it. It's trying to, you know, you just kind of got to get up and move on, move on, you know, really. You have mixed, you have mixed feelings about the fact that we're celebrating a, the first record by Scream in many years. It's clearly a reflective record. Lots of old friends appearing on it. Um, you have mixed feelings, obviously, because Kent's not here to celebrate it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we want him to be a part of it and feel a little guilty about that. And also kind of just, you know, just doing all the press around it, pumping up the record, all in the midst of of his passing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I mean, you know, the day that Discord announced they were putting out the record, I mean, he passed away the next day and and uh Thankfully, I was able to visit with him the day before. Yeah. But yeah, it's just surreal. So, in some way, like I said, it's mixed feelings because I know Kent would definitely want us to continue playing and and get, and promote the record and just play a scream. He was real working man's musician, you know, as well. He was playing up, you know, up until till he couldn't stand anymore. Um, and he was, you know, we had a show, uh, gosh, a few weeks ago where we played at the Martin Luther King Library in Washington, D.C. as part of a, a series they had been doing, you know, like a punk go-go series and had to play with Trouble Funk. And he was hoping to play that too. But, you know, it wasn't to be. He also had a, a gig uh, locally that he played every Monday night at this Italian restaurant with this trio called El Dominion Trio that We'd sometimes go see um, when we were in town and play standards and stuff and um, really uh, nice neighborhood gig. It, that He had that. He had other gigs in his pocket. I mean, he's one of the best drummer in town. And so a lot of people would try to get him to play with them. Um, he was in a lot of other bands besides Scream that people should check out. Mm -hmm. Like The Suspects, um, Spitfire United. Alleged Bricks, and then, you know, even played with Daryl Davis, which is a kind of a local legend, piano player, blues player, played with Chuck Berry. Yeah, so he would play every Monday, even like he was down to just playing brushes on a snare drum. And then he'd day that, then he was doing it, sitting it down. And, you know, he would, until they took him away in the ambulance, he would have been going up there. So I feel like I know that that's, you know, that's, that's, that was his mind. He is like a little bulldog that way. Mm. And he, that music was his life and it's our life too. I mean, we've been in a band since, since high school. You know, Enoch or Skeeter and my brother and Kent been known each other since elementary school. Skeeter and him been, they were in, in met in second grade. So it's really weird to continue on um, playing without. Can't because I'm used to him sitting behind me every time I go on stage. You know what I yeah. mean? So. Well, again, I 
I express my sorrow for what that's worth. I know we don't know each other. Uh, Thank but- you. No, I really, pre- I, I really appreciate it. Cause it's just as it's odd to like interview someone whose band member just passed away. It's, I appreciate the thought and, you know, it's, and thank you for communicating that to me. We have to like support each other in yeah. these kind of moments to get through stuff. So appreciate that. Well, I want to keep it positive because, um, to my knowledge, like Scream has an interesting trajectory, uh, in terms of its membership. Uh, Kent was in the band, as you mm-hmm. say, for a long time. And then he wasn't, um, in terms of the mm-hmm. sessions for DC special, my understanding is they marked a real reunion. It's, it w- was that your first time playing with Kent? in some time? No, actually not. We, you know, we've, like, as you said, we've gone through some band member changes through the years and additions and then other people coming in, you know, Kent first left the band in the late eighties cause he decided he wanted to raise a family and, you know, which was we completely respected that. And luckily we found another drummer to pick up the sticks and with Dave Grohl. And then he played with us for a few years we did a few records, toured around, and then he left to join Nirvana. And then at that point, the band kind of stopped playing for a while. But even before that time, you know, we had a Robert Lee Davidson joined us on guitar for a few years. He played on uh, this side up on the back. Wait, did he play? He played on the back half of this side up. And then he, because that, strangely, a lot of our records have, we recorded a couple, few of our records recorded like because we didn't have enough to scrounge money together, even for this one, which we had to do a Kickstarter. But with this side up and the other things uh, that's kind of funny is this core is very practical with how they do projects. So you kind of have to have your stuff together and songs and kind of show that you're ready to make a record. And even with, you know, we were, we were the first album still screaming the first record was the first full-length record that they had ever done yeah that's right yeah. so they more normally had just done singles yeah so when we came and then you know we did the first record then we were ready to do a second record and they were like well are you ready and then i don't know so we just they didn't it wasn't like other labels where they might put up the money so we just want we're always been a working band like can't stacks so we would just always go in the studio and start we started doing demos after still screaming and we we weren't doing them at inner ear so that record this side up for one half was recorded um one studio and, and then the other half was recorded back at inner ear i guess maybe when it when it became you know agree, agreed we were going to do another record for discord and then uh same with banging the drum a little bit different situation where we i think that one was always we knew we were going to you know, Discord was like, yeah, let's do another record. And then we went over to uh, Europe in 1986 to play uh, shows and kind of, you know, it was the first time we'd been there and really there hadn't been any other hardcore bands over there yet. And Discord had just made a deal with uh, Southern Studios, which is a really cool studio running Woodgreen in like a suburb of London by John Loder, who you know, it's kind of known for working with Crass and Mm -hmm. a lot of other bands. And they were starting to start a distribution throughout Europe. And and they kind of partnered up with Discord. And through that partnership, John allowed me to come over there and set up a shop at their studio and book a tour, which I did. But and through that, we ended up recording half the record there after a tour or before a tour in 1986, I guess it was. And then we did the other half back at Discord. So as several of our records were, were done like that. Yeah. And then the, this most recent record, though, was all recorded at Inner Ear. That was part of the concept that we did end up having to mix some of DC Special at different locations because, you know, I think you probably heard that Inner Ear got shut down. Uh, not shut down, but it was, it was forced to close by the city of Arlington because this part of the area they wanted... They're going to like, <laughs> strangely enough and ironically, they're going to turn it into an arts district. And huh. for some reason, they do, they did not want to use the studio as kind of a center point, which you would think you would do. Yeah. Because um, you could turn it into a place to teach teach people about recording. And it could, it's also, it's culturally, it's significant for the area. There's not that many studios there that, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I guess people don't. 
<laughs> don't, don't value them. There's that. I'm thinking about that. There's another famous studio that a lot of people don't know about in DC called Bias Studios that has a lot of great music that came out of it. And um, one of the locations was in Falls Church, where we're from, which Bailey's Crossroad Falls Church, where the band kind of came out of, and where we still rehearse there when we get together in DC. And right across the street used to be Bias Studios and. You know, uh, this band called Grin that came out of the Washington, D.C. area with with Niels Rofkin recorded there um, with Neil Young at one point. So hmm. there's been a lot of cool music come out of other studios there. And I just one thing I want to say about that is the drummer on this one particular session I'm talking about is Bob Berberick, who plays drums on D.C. Special. Yeah, because he was in Grin. And when he when we when we were doing pre rehearsals for we only had a couple of days to rehearse prior before going to the studio, but we had to organize some rehearsals because some of them were collaborations with people we'd never played before with, like Bob and his wife too, Martha Hall, who's a great singer. So when he was there and we were rehearsing with them, he told us about recording across the street with Neil Young at Bias. So it's kind of cool. Right. So I, back to my question about, um, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of rambling. No, no, it's fine. I just um, wanted to kind of home in on, on (laughs) Ken, on Kent's role in the band. You mentioned that he left, you mentioned that he left and then Dave Grohl joined. And then after Dave left, there was some, then my brother and I started another band called Wool and Kent and Enoch Skeeter were still back home in DC. They all were, you know, like I said, Kent's been in a bunch of bands. So Skeeter, and so then we put out a few records as well. And then we would go home at Christmas time to visit the folks and we'd still get together and play. And then we did a record in 1996, I think it was, uh, that came out as a live record. And actually that had both drummers, Kent and Dave were on that record, you know, so we get together occasionally. And, um, you know, like I was telling you before, after, you know, we'll kind of, put out a few records and then we split up. And then I, I, during that time I had started this band called Earthlings. So I started playing, you know, we toured, put out records. Then I was in a band called Goat Snake for a few years, put out records, toured. And, you know, all the time we get back together and every now and then finally around 2010, we got back together to play some shows, uh, you know, start playing around uh, up down the East coast a little bit. Did a West Coast tour, went down to Texas, played like some around that Fuck Yeah Festival. And then we recorded an EP for Side One Dummy called Complete Control, which we did at 606, which was Dave's studio. He let us come in there and record. That was the you know original lineup with Kent on drums. Yeah. So, yeah, no, we've been playing and recording various times. But that was the, and then we, that, that was the last time we did a record was 2011 or 2010 was when it came out, 2011. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we would get together every so often and, and do shows. Uh, we went and went over to Europe and played that Rebellion Festival whenever we could. But, you know, we're all, uh, my brother raising family, you know, yeah. raising family. We're all like everybody else just saying, you know, having to make a living, you know, so we didn't yeah. get together that much. Yeah. So beyond the EP that came out about mm-hmm. maybe 12 years ago, you played some shows. What actually precipitated or who, I guess, precipitated the notion that Scream should convene to actually work on new material towards DC Special? Do you know how that conversation got started? Yeah, well, we my brother had been, had, you know, very prolific songwriter and he continued to write and send stuff to me over the years that I would work on and we were always talking to, you know, some song like this would be great on the screen record and sending stuff to Enoch and Kent. So we're always talking about doing a record and we actually had tried to schedule some time at inner ear. I don't know, like maybe 2015, 2016, but it didn't work out. Oh, okay. So, and we were having to, you know, fund it ourselves. Oh, and you know, Ian used to joke with me because I was like, come on, let's do another record. He's like, oh, you guys don't even live in D.C. anymore. <laughs> I'm like, you know. So it's a major part of being you know, on Discord. But, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 So even though Kent and Enoch live there, granted, my brother and I are living in, in California, but our parents are still there. Um, right. And my mom, at least. Yeah. <laughs> our mom. <laughs> she still is, too. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, so, but it was just kind of fun. We 
that's our dynamic. But and it, that's kind of always been that way, like I was telling you about with like, let's do this side, let's do the second record, you know. Their mission is more to put out new music, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so somewhere, but, but, somewhere but, around seven, six, seven years ago, se- yeah. seeds started to get planted about new scream music. Is that what you're saying? Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah. yeah. And we even, uh, you know, like we go back on, we play occasionally in DC, which really give us an opportunity to get together and practice because it's difficult because we're all in different cities. And um, we wrote some songs at rehearsal. So like one a de- song Dead Cities that kicks off the second side of our record we wrote in a rehearsal room like you know I don't know 2018 2019 and uh, so we had a demo of that of us playing which we used um, to help us complete the song and Clint Walsh was playing with us at that time on guitar talking about other people that have come in and out and um, he's also on complete control sessions as well yeah so yeah, we like you said, seeds were planted, and then then you know the world stopped during the for the pandemic, which you know one way to stay sane was to and not uh, I'm a I work on the touring business, so um, as a tour manager, my business shut down completely. So a lot of time to work on music, which is great. So and I had a I had access to a rehearsal room that I would, you know, spend a lot of my days working on music by myself. And my, my brother was doing the same in his house. And so that was kind of a creepy time. But uh, we were working it, on sorry, music. Sorry, creepy time? Oh, you mean because of the pandemic? <laughs> yeah, it was a creepy okay. time. <laughs> sorry. I'm also, th- I, I'm, I'm also thinking about my particular, like, my experience. Because, like I said, I had, I had the keys to the old Goat Snake rehearsal room. And... You know, everything was supposed to be closed. In L.A. was pretty strict. And um, it was kind of during lockdown. But I was still in the rehearsal room. was kind of There was people living in the rehearsal room. It's like a pretty good-sized rehearsal space, which there's a lot. Unfortunately, a lot of them shut down during the pandemic nationally. Yeah. It's, hard, yeah. it's harder to find rehearsal places now than it was before the pandemic. And, but a lot of, and there's, but if there's one place that has quite a few it would be Los Angeles but not as many as you might think and so that one there was the one that we were was a place in North Hollywood and there was some people that were living in that Hmm. in there yeah and so like I would sneak in there and you know of course you're kind of paranoid about the virus and then there's people living next door to you in the other room and you know just all freaked out singing with a mask on or what I mean, just like, yeah, I just think about like, so it was, there wasn't, they weren't, the studio wasn't supposed to be open. So I'd like sneak in there, sneak into the room, rehearse and sneak out and all all the time trying to like avoid people. You know? Yeah. So it was a creepy time. Yeah. It it sounds creepy. I know you're the singer. (laughs) You're the singer in Scream. Are you the primary lyricist in the band? Yes. Okay. So this creepiness. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lyric spreader. You're <laughs> not a virus <laughs> spreader, a lyric spreader. That's good. So I, I'm pondering the tone of the, the lyrics on this great new record. And, you know, it's funny when, um, DC special, Sha La La, uh, kicks in. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but think of what I, I wasn't there. Obviously I didn't live in DC. But I know a bit of the history of Discord and what was going on. And it, and as it, the song is going, it, I'm thinking of Revolution Summer. I'm thinking of these sorts of things. So on the one hand, and I don't, sorry, is that, does that resonate with you that there's some reflection going on? Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. It's totally a celebratory feeling of, of a place and time and of growing up in the DC area and all those things. So for sure. Yeah. And you know, that, that that's kind of like, sets the tone for the record because it's DC it's where we grew up so it's that that's setting the tone of the record of the joy of growing up there as well so you got that right okay so sha la la yeah i mean we we have a lot of uh, influences so you know we love to have fun with our music and so you know we i just i love playing with words so 
I don't know how that, I can't remember exactly how the Shalala ended up in there. There's another lyric in that song that kind of got taken out because some of the guys in the band didn't like it where it was that, it was like Shalala, but then it would be like, watch out for the snake in the grass. But I, I ended up having to, to like edit that out because wasn't it wasn't full agreement on that what uh so would have been would have been <laughs> what prompted you to write a lyric like that because there's always something around the corner you got to watch out for <laughs> it was <laughs> even, a little, it was a little too <laughs> even though you even though you, even though you might be sk- skipping down the street i think brian ferry had a song where he kind of said the same thing uh about around the corner what was it well watch out for the snake in the grass does not uh, uh, suggest a positive mental attitude maybe that's what your bandmates were thinking <laughs> this is not uh, what we're after maybe I don't know uh, no that's fascinating in itself I, yeah I think it might it th- might have been a combination of the delivery and like I said like you know I was kind of doing some weird stuff vocally and yeah. so I just wasn't work. I think it was more about how it was fitting in the song but so the, during the pan, and it was sometime toward the middle of the pandemic was when I was talking to Don Zantara and he told me the studio was going to shut down. Yeah. That they, there was actually a date. Yeah. And so we're like, oh my God. So we got to get in there and do this record before, <laughs> before you're gone. Yeah. And so then we made a date and then worked back from there. So that's really was f- the final kick in the ass to, to go record the record yeah. and kind of gather there. And probably coming out of the pandemic, because it, it, like it had a big impact on kind of writing some of the stuff and and finalizing it. Some of the songs address living through that, yeah, address it lyrically. But um, also, when we got we recorded the record toward the tail end, and we were still observing social distancing, so we actually had to like be careful about when we were recording. Everyone was still wearing masks. Our good friend, Joe Picuri, who uh, was our sound guy for many years, traveled with us through Canada, too. Yeah. And um, he he's also Fugazi's sound guy forever. Yeah. I met him at the at the old 930 Club. You know of him? I, I, I saw Fugazi so many times that I would see Joey, and I knew who he was, just because, as you can maybe tell, I was familiar with oh. some of the people around, uh, so... I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. No, not at all. I'm friendly but with... That's cool. You know, I'm friendly with those folks. I was texting with Key just this week about uh, something. I can't remember what we were talking, probably basketball, knowing him and me. Oh. And so, yeah, I'm friendly Great. with, and Ian and I have talked many, many times, uh, Ian Mackay and Joe and Brendan. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, uh, that, that's my favorite band. It's like uh, Fugazi. Awesome. Fugazi, the Beatles, but Fugazi is like the band. I like to, I know this might sound <laughs> lofty, but Fugazi is the Beatles I got to see. And got to, you know, uh, actually experience the seeing them, whatever it was, seven times or something like that. Um, I just, yeah, I would imagine seeing Fugazi for you would be like when we saw the Bad Brains when we were, when we were kind of like beginning as, as, when before we were, you know, when we were just starting out as a band and writing in our basement and they, that they, that, you know, their energy that they exhibited is very, and the power of the band. Live, you know, changed my life and, um, yeah. our, and, and everyone in my band. And, you know, Fugazi is, is part of that scene. And I could imagine if that was like, saw that band at that time in my life, it would have had a, a similar impact to me. Cause I mean, certainly, certainly, certainly when, when we saw Teen Idols play, had some questionable, Thoughts about Ian's bass playing, but um, <laughs> we still. <laughs> that is some very, very but, old shade. But, you're showing, you're throwing some very but, old shade but, right now. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, like I said, it's our dynamic, but yeah, but we were like, those, those dudes were cool and they were, we, we liked that band too. So in there, they were part of like the water we were drinking. For myself and my friends, they certainly influenced us as uh, aspiring musicians, but. I think they also yeah. really influenced us as um, community members, um, right? Uh, as people living in cities and trying to uh, do things and make things, and hopefully uh, treat everyone as well as we could. And I know, for whatever reason, uh, people get their uh, backs up when we talk about um, the kind of ethos around Discord or Fugazi or whatever. But fuck that! 
Uh, I think it's really significant that we uh, pay attention to their actions, not just their amazing music. And uh, that's how I've, that's why they resonate and have resonated with me. And I still kind of walk tall with some of those same, not just emulation, of course, like, you know, if, if I, I'm all for killing your idols as much as everyone else. Uh, <laughs> but I do think, uh, People like that, when if you stick to your convictions and you worry about uh, or think about rather uh, your your community members and the people that you're mm-hmm. immersing yourself with, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So um, that's how I've lived my life, and I I don't mean to uh, be too lofty about it or put a burden on them in terms of their role in my life. Uh, but I know mm-hmm. I'm not the only one who has been inspired by folks like you and and the Discord community. It really. I know you're maybe aware of this, Pete, but um, that whole scene, that whole community, I should say, uh, has had a worldwide mm-hmm. influence. So, sorry for going on yeah, and on. No, I just, I just that, want to share that. No, no, it's okay. But yeah. I mean, that's part of why we wanted to, you know, wanted to make this record was to celebrate that community and and how it shaped us. Yeah. And then our goal was to create new music to kind of tie the past to now. Yeah. And, and move forward. And so that's what I've, I feel like pretty good about. We all feel really good about the record and about ready to have some fun with it. Cause we have, we haven't even played. Um, we've only, only played that. Well, we did, we did have a, a cool moment after we recorded the record. We completed it. We had like a little party at, at this motorcycle shop in Bailey's Crossroad and we played some of the songs, but that was the only time we played any of the songs of the new record till. Uh, just recently, when we played at the Martin Luther King Library, we played the, the DC special Shalala, and it was a blast. <laughs> I want to ask about so, in all my knowledge and memories of uh, you know uh, reading about uh, Discord stuff, for some reason the the term DC special is in my mind right now as a familiar phrase, but I also don't know if I'm making that up. What does that connote for you? The wh- where does DC special as a as a term come from, and what does it connote for you? Well, it kind of came out of an idea of, of, of having, of playing a show and a get together where we were going to kind of celebrate the, the DC music and, and the scene that a, a friend of mine actually was going to put it together. It was going to happen in Germany. Um, a friend of ours, Tony Schiffer, who had a really cool record store there in the southern Germany called Nostrovia Potsdam that, and he was, he, put on shows at for scream and other DC bands. And we were going to do a show there, but it got canceled because of the pandemic. And we were, that was going to be called DC special. Okay. So that kind of that, and that's when I kind of started thinking about it as, as an idea for a title for a song mm-hmm. and ultimately it became the title for the record. Um, but you're right. I think that it, it I think there is, uh, I never have looked into seeing, if it could be trademarked or anything <laughs> like that, but some somebody told me that they had had heard heard of it. So yeah. it yeah. sounds vaguely familiar. And again, I wasn't there, so I don't know if I'm just conflating some things. I, you know, we've talked a little bit mm-hmm. already about the reflective nature of of uh, some of the lyrics here, but I also pick up on a lot of contemporary resonance. And um, I guess I don't want to say topicality necessarily. But I feel like this is a record about now. It's not just a record about celebrating the past. Can you speak to that? Do you have a sense of what inspired? And, and I, to be honest, as much as we were joking about that snake in the grass lyric, the lyrics here do seem a little dark, exasperated, frustrated. Do you? Mm-hmm. Can you talk about some of the things that might have influenced your songwriting here in a general sense? Well, yeah, like all of our records have kind of political moments. You know, I address politics in different songs in different ways. And having that political consciousness has always been a part of my life. And it's kind of part of being growing up in D.C. because you grew up around politics. Yes, of so course. So you're kind of more yeah. conscious of it than a lot of bands. And so, but yeah, there's a, there's songs that like, you know, some of the songs were like written in the, in the dark days of the pandemic and some and then some are more recent. But, you know, try to address different things. There's a song called The Flam that's kind of about social media and the effect that it's having on our, our culture and our society. Every day it seems to be getting crazier. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or politics is entertain politics is entertainment is probably a, a more obvious one in this in this regard. <laughs> 
everything is entertainment now. Uh, it's not just politics. Every 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 kind of every kind of action that somebody does, everybody's personal action that they do on social media is kind of entertainment for everybody now. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's fascinating time in history, and uh, so it's it and that it's 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 fascinating time in history but it's it's our time yeah. and uh, it's what we're living through so i end up that's what we're right about and going through i mean just going through what we just went with kent you know with, with the healthcare situation in this country it's just you know we, we had you know his 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 wife had to start a GoFundMe to just you know pay for basic yeah. basic needs it's just ridiculous it's not you know the financial burden that people have to occur when they get sick it, it, you know, it's, it's not right. So, um, you know, these are things, you know, there's a song called Somebody Love. Now it's kind of an older song, but it's, uh, you know, Enoch Skeeter Thompson had kind of written the, some of the lyrics for that song about a friend that had, had AIDS and we've uh, all been touched by that, which is the virus of 20 years ago that, that impacted our society. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I, you know, I think we touch on a lot of different things in, in in the record. You have songs celebrating Washington and D.C. There is a song called "Dead Cities," which I couldn't help but notice has the same acronym as District of Columbia, D.C. Um, <laughs> I know you're celebrating your your city and your community. Is this also somewhat critical of the way things have maybe changed? Not just in America, but maybe where you live. Where, or sorry, I know you're not there now. Is this critical of what you've seen in D.C. or where you're living in America generally? Well, I mean, it's something you see traveling throughout the country, and then here, I mean, I, I can't, you know, living in Los Angeles with the homelessness situation that we have there, it feels like the city's dead. They yeah, don't, yeah. People yeah. don't. We're not taking care of the living, <laughs> you yeah. know. So it's like that everywhere. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm out here in the desert and there's people living in the washes here and in, in tents, you know, and it's extreme weather situation, yeah. extreme conditions. Yeah. And there's so much damage going on in this country to people's psyche that are left to fend for themselves. Does it not seem odd to you that some of the things you were singing about and writing about in Scream when you first began, some of the same issues exist now. They're yeah. they're worse probably than they were even they when you are, were writing absolutely. about them. Yeah, like one yeah. song, one song we haven't played for a long time that we're going to play on this. You know, we're starting a tour next week with Soulside up in the, up the West Coast and then East Coast, and we're going to play "I Look When You Walk By," which is a song off this side up, wrote in the in the eighties about the homelessness that I was seeing in DC, just like, you know, just like becoming aware of it for the first time. And I remember specifically, you know, I used to work for the Washington Post, like a lot of us Discordians did at the time. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and I used to drive my pick up the papers downtown by the White House. And this is what I'm talking about, the political consciousness, because I used to deliver papers to the Pentagon. I mean, this doesn't get much more political. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, wow. Yeah. Um, but just in the sense, like, I would just go fill up the newsstands out there, you know, or and there's a couple cafes inside, the, like a news shop inside the Pentagon, one side of the Pentagon. But I used to pick up newspapers in the middle of the night in downtown D.C. and freezing cold, you know, below zero, and people are sleeping outside on these grates that, that, you know, the heat coming from and, you know, within sight of the White House. But that's nothing new. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a famous Life magazine photograph, I think, of the tenement, like kind of almost project. Uh, there was an expose, I think, that they did on poverty in America in the 60s or, and there's a fo famous photo of the, of the Capitol, I think, in the in the background of these kind of buildings. So, you know, the it, it, at least at that time, the politics of the day was a bit more progressive, and 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 there were they there was a there was some action that was made to try to to address the poverty in the country at the time. But yeah. we've kind of at some point, there's been kind of obviously there's been a shift that we've been going through since the late seventies, probably. 
um, yeah. that's kind of that's kind of circling around the world that's consumer driven and less like you know <laughs> humanity driven. So yeah, so yeah, we're bringing. I, I I never thought it would get when I wrote. I, I look when you walk by. It's about homelessness, but it's this it, it, what what I saw then. It's worse. It's funny now. you say it. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny you yeah. say that about DC. I re- I remember being surprised when I went back to, when we went back to record DC special. I'm like, where are all the homeless people? Because <laughs> I I honestly they they kind of it seemed like they kind of cleaned it up there. I don't know where they are, but they yeah, well, were surprised. They're displaced. They, they, they're, they're displaced. Yeah, they're, Further displaced. And they, yeah. they, they exactly. And I actually yeah. we have a thankfully I just saw him at Kent's. Kent's funeral, a good, a good old friend of ours that's been struggling with, with, you know, staying on his feet, been living in his car and living in a tent in the woods. But, uh, I think that a lot of the homelessness in the DC area are kind of pushed out into the woods. Yeah. Out of sight. Yep. Yeah. Um, so in LA, in Los Angeles and in California in general, because of the climate and also because some of the programs in California, people come here. And um, it's as far as you can go before you hit the ocean. So it's been overwhelming all the local governments. And then because of the polarization of local governments and politics and stuff, it's hard to get anything done, even though there's a kind of a will and money there. Well, I, I want to say that I appreciate your empathy and thoughtfulness as a writer and and, and the spirit of, of this band. That's always come through um, to me anyway. I want to focus a little bit because we've been talking about the celebratory aspects of DC special. I'm just scanning the kind of special guest list and mm-hmm. sorry, this is really bittersweet because of Kent's passing. It does seem to me that there was a concerted and conscious effort for you and your bandmates to bring your family together. Like I'm looking at this list of people uh, and the names that stick out for me are like Amy Pickering, Jerry Busher, Mark Cisneros, Joe Lally, Dave Grohl, obviously, uh, Ian McKay, Brian Baker. I mean, for some of us, these are people, and I, I don't mean to exclude anyone. I know you've mentioned a few of the others. These are people that are in the, the periphery of the Scream team, <laughs> <laughs> key members of the Discord community. Like, this was a purposeful gathering. It sounds like it seems like to me. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, part of you know one thing about when I when I when after Wool broke up and I started playing with Earthlings was involved with this Desert Session project. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Kind of Josh Holm has been doing for years, but but through my band Earthlings and collaborating with people out here, I it, it instead of just being in a band, I kind of started improvising and collaborating with people I didn't know, and so. That was something that kind of I kind of wanted to do. Always wanted to do something like that with Scream too down the road. Yeah. And yeah. but then just so many different factors come. You know, when when we started coming up with the idea of DC special, and we were, like I said, we were in the pandemic. We couldn't. I actually created like little lyric books of the whole record, and we knew that we wanted to have different people on the record with us. So then I sent those lyric books to different people. Um, and some people respond, and most people responded really positively. Yeah, we want to, you know, and I would send them to them because I wanted them to play on it or sing on it or whatever. And so that's kind of when it, when it came time for us to get together and rehearse and do the record already kind of had laid the foundation to have a collaborative record that way. But yeah. then on top of that, because, um, like I said, it, it kind of turned into not a party, but a, a get together. And, and, you know, cause, cause Don's was closing. Yeah. And yeah. so, man, everybody started coming by. I mean, even people, you know, a lot of people, but even pe- just for the, like, I remember Jay Robin showing up just to, who, who lives in Baltimore, just to grab tapes out of the room because the place was closing. Yeah. And everything had to go. Yeah. So, and so, like I was telling you about Joey P. He set up a little mobile studio outside and we put monitors out there and we set up a barbecue and chairs. And so people would, and it, like, that was kind of like a mobile studio. People would come hang out and we'd have barbecues and people just showing up and, and visiting and saying, Hey, and, and, and then I, it was really cool. And, and a lot of people ended up in front of the mic. 
and and then, which ended up on the record. Yeah. Um, and, and so it was a real good get together and it, it kind of, you know, influenced the, the joy and the collaborativeness of the record and because it all helped us remind us where we all came from and what we are. I mean, when I say it's bittersweet, it's because I'm on the outside anyway, as someone external to all of this, I'm happy that Kent was able to take part in this, this amazing gathering um, because it's, it seems like it was both, Sorry, from the outside, it seems like it was like a reconvening, but now it also seems like a nice, and I, sorry, just keep in mind, I'm not suggesting the band is um, winding down or anything, but the way you've put this record together and with Ken's passing, there's some nice closure, like to have all these people back in your orbit. Mm-hmm. So I say this haltingly because I don't want to uh, infer anything there, Pete, but with Kent's passing, I know you say you have tour dates. What does the future of Scream seem like to you right now as you, you're in this position where you have to celebrate this album under really hard circumstances and you're going to play some shows to support it, but mm-hmm. do you see it continuing now uh, beyond all this activity? Well, I mean, I think like we're working, we're trying to still be a working band on, you know, as much as we can. We all have other interests and other things we do in life, but this is something that's, it's like home for us. And it, yeah. And so, and it, and by, by staying together and keeping together, it, it keeps us close together and still keeps us close with Kent because we're playing his songs, mm-hmm. his music. And then we're now, and now we're having to teach Jerry Busher Kent's parts. And so, which luckily he, he watched Kent play for many, many times. Yeah. So it makes it a little bit easier, but I, I have, you know, it's hard to know. We have limitations on what we can do as far as what our availability and financially, but we'll play as much as we possibly can. Okay, and, good. You know, it, with a new record, it, it, it gives us an opportunity to kind of, play different kinds of shows because we expanded our repertoire and, um, you know, we still got something to say. So we yeah. want to get back out there and, yeah. and, and, and play. And so you kind of want to finish the project. And so after you kind of, you know, start something and cook it up and then record it and then go through like a big process of getting it finalized and, and everything. And now we're, now it's done. It's coming out on November 10th. And now we want to go play behind it and, and do it justice, you know, and, oh, and do it for Kent too. Yeah. But yeah, the, the collaborative part was, is, was definitely one really important aspect of it too. But also there's other layers of the record that kind of show that, you know, how much of a DC centric community record it is by, you know, the studio in your ear. And then yeah. the musicians, there's musicians from all the way back to my, you know, back from the sixties on the record for DC musicians from back in the day. And then the vinyl is actually pressed in Alexandria at Furnace and the artwork, which kind of came up with Micah through which is a, uh, has a globe collection, which was a Baltimore based art company that made the posters that you very famous R and B posters. And actually it's kind of, invented for circus and carnival posters, but they ended up doing a lot, a lot. And so, you know, basically the project and the process of doing all that stuff, all those pieces is part of the experience at DC special too. Yeah. It has a regional local focus and um, yeah, for what it's worth, again, we don't know each other, Pete, but uh, for what it's worth, I'm really happy for you. I'm happy for all of you. I know it's a, a tough time. Thank you. But I, I'm really happy that this came together in this way. It does have a really festive feeling about it, in spite of the fact, like I said, some of the uh, lyrics are, well, I like the intensity of the lyrics. Uh, I like that people are speaking out. I like when people speak out. It feels like you're not alone in your anguish and your frustration. So I just want to thank you for conveying what you've conveyed in Scream and on this record and for making time. Um, we've kind of hinted at what's next. There's tour dates coming up. Um, did you want to talk about anything else that you've got? And you've mentioned a few other projects. Yeah. In a catch all way, what's next for you, Pete? Oh, for me, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to head over to the studio and, and work on music today. So luckily I'm 
in between tours, I, I work as a tour manager and kind of has took, I worked for a long time for a great band and kind of just because DC special is coming out and I want to be available to talk with, with people like you yeah. and, and to focus, focus on the record because it's a really important project for us and be available to play shows and, um, also be involved with other musical projects. Um, I took time off from, from working and I'm going to focus on music as much as I can right now. And, um, luckily I, uh, I have access to it out here at the Rancho de la Luna. So I'll go over there and work today on, and, and writing, which has really helped me get through the pandemic as well. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that process of kind of having the time and, 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 and working on a song and crafting it and, and getting it done. And, you know, I'm, I'm envious of the, those, those, those stories that I, I have friends of mine that work in Nashville that go, they go from studio to studio you know, and they they still get paid for it down there. But yeah, there are working musicians, and it's kind of like it's what Kent did. Like I said, he was like a work, you know, furniture during the week, and then but he had gigs every night, and and you know, kind of trying to trying to stay keep my chops up and stay stay in the game. <laughs> well, no, that's great to hear. It's heartening to hear too. So good luck with that. Um, if people want to learn more about Scream, uh, I know. Discord, Discord's website is a good place to learn more about the record and potentially buy it, if not at local record stores. Is there anywhere else sort of online that you'd like to direct people to to learn more about you or the band? Yeah, I mean, we we don't have a website, but, we, you know, we have our own Instagram and that's really from Facebook. Those are the, you know, but Discord is, is the place to go to buy our record. You can pre-order it now and it'll be out on November 10th, but... Feel free to hit us up on Instagram and message us. We'll get back to you for sure. Nice. And you can find me on, on the internet, on the Instagram with my, my, my own thing. So you can always say hi. <laughs> That's lovely. That's great. Now, if we want to go out, I'd like to go out on a song rather from DC special so people can get a, a real sense of what we've been uh, talking about. And um, which one are you going to play? Well, here's where you come in, Pete. I was going to ask you <laughs> if you could pick one for us and tell us why uh, it came to mind. Uh, Board to Life, second song on the record, is a song that I wrote with Daryl Jennifer from the Bad Brains. And he was oh. one of the guys I sent a book to, but he wasn't able to make it down to, to be on the record. But he gave his blessing for us to record it. And um, it's if you listen to that song, you'll hear the Bad Brains in it. And that's why, because he wrote it. <laughs> and I wrote the lyrics. Um, but the song's also, you know, a, about coming back to life. So, and, and it's kind of got some funny tongue in cheek lyrics. Woke up from the dying, just another day of digging our graves. I know there's another <laughs> life left to live. Got to find my lover. I'm bored to life. Yeah, that's, it's really, really great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's got a good course i can't wait to play that song we have never even played that song live yet yeah. so i can't wait to play that song for people and people to sing along and uh, hopefully they'll be singing back at us that same feeling that i'm feeling so <laughs> that's what it, that's what it's about and uh so you know i'd like to leave on that good note and, and you know move forward with my day all right well that's us too thank you i appreciate that all right this is bored to life uh, from the excellent new album, DC Special by Scream. Uh, Pete, this was an honor and a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Thank you for making time for me. And I, I hope we do speak again someday. Best of luck with everything going forward. Thanks, Fish. All right, man. Have a good day. Well, I've been sleeping for years. Throw some dirt on my bones. Just another day of digging our graves I know there's another life left to live We got to find my lover I'm both life, I'm both life, I'm both life I'm both life, I'm both life, I'm both life, I'm both life. Something's got to give for my sisters and brothers. Body parts come together. We will live forever. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There you have it. Brand new music by Scream in there. Uh, thanks to Pete Stahl from the band for being on this show and having a a lovely conversation about uh, the return of Scream under trying circumstances. Uh, this was all for the 819th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network. It should be available almost everywhere you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, which I'm several months behind on, I must admit, it's been a busy time. In any case, if you want to learn more about how to sign up for that newsletter, I'll get it going again, I'm sure of it, please visit vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control uh, and follow it on various social media things that uh, may or may not exist by the time you hear this. We do have a page on Facebook that you can like or follow. You can follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative. Uh, or you can follow me directly on Instagram and Twitter at Vishkana. Uh, I'm also on Blue Sky and uh, TikTok, and uh, there's a YouTube channel for the show if you want to listen to the show or engage with the show that way. Every once in a blue moon, there's some video content up there as well. I'm just one guy, you know. I can't do everything. I'm, I get tired. I got a day job. I got a family. It's too much. I wish I had more time. Actually, this leads nicely into my next uh, thing. Please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast uh, not only running, but potentially free me up to just work on the podcast instead of being this uh, manic juggler of different things. $6 American or more a month grants you access to uh, some exclusive content and you get episodes earlier than everybody else does. And if you're interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt in exchange for your generosity, I will also up the generosity ante and send you a t-shirt if you want one. There's a maroon design and a yellow design. Just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Thanks again for supporting the show in that regard. Speaking of supporting the show, I want to thank Blackbird Music, a wonderful independent record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta. You can order things from them on their website at blackbird.ca even if you're not in Calgary or Edmonton, Alberta. So please visit their site and order records from independent uh, record stores uh, wherever possible. Thank you so much. I also want to thank some independent businesses, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad Stones in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. I want to thank Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music he makes on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Pete Stahl from Scream. Check out DC Special. Please uh, uh, subscribe to this podcast or follow it and tell your friends all about it and spread the word. It helps immensely. I will talk to you so soon, it's not even fun. Be well. Bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.